Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey, pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Sorry. episode of Fly Cool Shit. I'm Mark. And I'm Jeff. And uh we're going to by Lift Aviation. What is this? What are you what is Jurassic Park now? What are you talking about? Something about some raptors. Ooh. I didn't Come you on, know what? Man. You know what? Did you I not must get not, that for real? I did not get enough sleep last night. I'm in I'm in Cancun right now, not for vacation, but for work, and it's just it's just how it goes. Hotel sleep. That that was completely lost on me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, that was completely lost on me. I I, I missed I, I completely missed that. I 100 yeah. percent missed that. Yeah. So that yeah. happens when you drink the water. That that's it. Get, you know, get that Montezuma's <laughs> revenge, you know. Um, I'm super this is this is definitely uh not you know, we've had we've had um military demo team pilots on the podcast before, but I'm super excited for this one. Um, we have Captain Samuel Larson, callsign Raz, who is the 2023 F-22 demo pilot. Raz, welcome. Thank you so much uh, for having me. Uh, stoked to be here. And uh, like I said, I've, I've listened to the podcast before. So uh, again, thank you very much for having me. So you listen to it. That... You listen to it and you still decided <laughs> to come on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. How much did storage and uh, from uh, from Rob Holland as well? So I was about um, to say, like, what did Rob have to do? Did he have yeah. to give you like one of his twenty trophies from winning? Like, here, here, take the take one of these nationals. I don't even like them anymore. That would have been nice. I should have uh, should have had the wherewithal to ask for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Aim higher next time. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Where are you at right now? Like, what uh, what base you at? So I'm down at uh, Eglin Air Force Base, and uh, we're we're borrowing jets from Eglin for our air show this weekend in Fort Lauderdale. That's one of the unique aspects of you know the Raptor demo team. We don't own any airplanes, uh, so we borrow every weekend. Uh, and a lot of times, it's the closest F-22 base to that show. We'll just fly commercial, uh, fly all our gear out, and just pick up the jets. Uh, I didn't know um, that. Why is that so? Yeah, why is so that it's, it's kind of interesting. It, the the A ten teams and and the F sixteen teams certainly um, and the Navy side the F eighteen uh, uh, demo teams all have a dedicated or or multiple dedicated aircraft to the demo team. Why why is is it just allocation of the F twenty two being so important? Is that is that the main reason? It is just uh, you know in, in the ten to fifteen years of our existence as as a demo team, there just aren't a lot of Raptors out there, so. Uh, We've never gotten, you know, iron just dedicated to us uh, in that time frame. And it, this has always been the case for us that we'll just we'll borrow off the line. Uh, so each weekend we're getting two new tails, which presents a lot of a uh, lot of unique challenges for our maintainers because they're getting new aircraft uh, every weekend. So we land yeah. and then they're they're rapidly learning the history of those jets, figuring out what's wrong. And it's really a, a testament to them. Uh, they are a lot of times returning these jets after the air show weekend in better condition than when we found them because they'll they'll yeah, find some stuff they'll fix it up and uh, it's pretty impressive to see what they can do on the road. 
So which base has the radius F-22s? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, get me, get me in some trouble here. Here we go. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. you know, no, that's cool. Uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the jets we have here at, at Eglin are for our FTU, our B-course schoolhouse. This is where Raptor pilots are training. So some of the oldest jets in the fleet here uh, are the ones we're taking on the road. Same thing yeah. with Nellis. You know, Nellis has some of the very uh, early, earliest tails off the line. I mean, we're talking single digits or early teens, you know, tail 11, literally the 11th aircraft off the line. Wow. We'll go fly that at an air show. So, uh, so some of the older ones that we'll, uh, we'll borrow, but uh, it's amazing. I mean, all of the jets fly the same. You know, they, they might have, you know, minor things different as far as what needs to be fixed on them, but they, they fly yeah. the same. So. That's pretty neat. So that that really doesn't present any challenges challenges to you. But what about like I, I can't wait to get into this. But so seating position and and the seat in each of these jets um, are they all the same kind of mold where you know you get your your G shoot G shoot on tongue twister and um, be pretty comfortable or do you bring pads with you or anything to make yourself more comfortable? Like how different is the cockpit setups in uh, the earlier? They're, uh, they're pretty much. Yeah, they're pretty much the same. So, I mean, all the switches are in the same place. Uh, the cockpit setup orientation is all the same. Uh, the Raptor actually is a pretty spacious cockpit and uh, highly customizable. One in your seating position where the pedals are, you can adjust all that um, to your liking. And then same thing with the displays. You know, they're all customizable. The software in these jets between different models and different blocks are different. So sometimes yeah. you'll have buttons on the stick or on the throttles that actually do different things. And so every once in a while, I'll go fly, you know, an older jet and, uh, oh, this button, I forgot that, you know, that's how it used to be, uh, that uh, this jet has not been upgraded with that software block yet. So uh, yeah. so once, some, some once minor, in a while, you bomb a couple there. air show spectators. No yeah, right. Yeah, start start ripping missiles <laughs> off the jet. No, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. But uh, It's like borrowing an iPhone 11. Very, You're like, man. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's very <laughs> minor, minor for us. Uh, so on the flying side, it, it's really not you know not that big of an issue. For the maintenance side, it's it's definitely more work um, with how we how we do things. And again, uh, our maintainers on the team are the the best of the best, and they're here for a reason. That's because they can they can make miracles happen on the road for us. Yeah, Whereas I can I can remember that because I, so I was an F eighteen uh, mechanic and I spent a very short time as a um, a stand in on our demo team uh, with VFA one twenty five and and we so then that was a uh, what we call a rag replacement air group so it was a training mm -hmm. birds similar to what you're borrowing um, and they would take <laughs> typically the CAG bird and another bird but basically had access to any airplane within the squadron uh, to use as a demo yeah. for the air show um, and it. it you know, it's always interesting because, you know, it's there's no way around it. There's no way there's no other way to say this other than you're getting the leftovers no matter what. So the decision to give you yep. what tail, you know, I remember that that process, especially being um, a mechanic and part of the demo team, which are your um, are the maintenance personnel. They're they're full time <clears throat> um, active duty. And then this is literally um, in a way volunteer extra uh, duty. It is, yeah, and that's awesome. You had that experience because you can you can definitely relate, uh, having done that. But uh, yeah, our guys uh, for the on the maintenance side, 
they go through uh, a formal selection process for the for this job, and uh, so, similar to what we went through on the flying side uh, to be a part of this team. Uh, so they're they're hand selected. So uh, we we really did you know get the cream of the crop. We got outstanding people not only for their knowledge of the aircraft, but you know their ability to to represent the Air Force and uh, kind of their personalities uh, to be on you know such a small team on the road all the time. Um, yeah, obviously that's very important. So they are uh, they're all uh, still attached to line units at Langley Air Force Base. Uh, but they're for a two-year uh, stint. They are pretty much uh, full-time demo, if you will. So, oh, that's uh, nice. There's, that's there's that's different from how we people. operated. Yeah, yeah, it's great. They uh, they they get to do a lot of shows, and about four or five people on the team go to every single air show uh, of the year. And then the remaining four or five who come on the road with us, we can swap out. You know, crew chiefs and avionics specialists. So they'll do about half and half. And when they're not on the road with us, they're back at the units at Langley, uh, working with the combat squadrons, uh, continuing to do really their normal job. Uh, so it's it's very busy uh, for them, yeah. uh, and they again do our more. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, how did you? What what was the process like getting selected to be an F twenty two demo pilot? Uh, for us, it's open to uh, instructor pilots only. So you, that's the min qual. You have to be an instructor pilot in the Raptor. Oh, wow. uh, so typically, you know, by the time you obtain that qual, you've been in the Raptor for uh, about an assignment and a half. Four, four to five years is a, around the time you're becoming an, an instructor pilot. Um, and so the hiring message goes out uh, when the job com- comes available, uh, which is supposed to be every two years. To all instructor pilots out in the in the CAF, so we've got Raptors at Langley, Alaska, Hawaii, and down here in Florida. So all instructor pilots get that hiring message, and then you go through uh, kind of standard Air Force application process of submitting in all your flying evals, uh, your records, uh, your officer performance reports, fitness reports, all of that, as well as a statement of intent as to why you want to do the job. And then uh, they took all the applicants out and flew them out to Langley for, uh, for interviews. I was stationed at Langley at the time, uh, when I, I was applying, but I was actually deployed, uh, with the 27th fighter squadron. We were out in, uh, Aldafra in the UAE. So I did my interview, uh, over video teleconference, uh, from UAE, um, for the demo job and, you know, hour and a half, two hour interview, uh, asking all kinds of questions, uh, related to the job. And then from there, uh, they picked one of us and I was again, very, very fortunate uh that you know i got picked for this job that's amazing is there a backup um demo team pilot or is it is it just you (laughs) uh just me yeah just just, uh uh, like all the other single ship uh demo teams there's there's one pilot for that two-year gig and so uh we bring obviously a safety observer to every air show and they fly the spare aircraft so we have another pilot at every show with us uh, and they're going to be on constant comms with us during the demo for that mutual support uh, and extra, you know, l- layer of safety. Uh, but there's only one individual for that two-year period who's qualified to fly the demo. So, uh, so can't go break a leg or anything, or we'll be a, in a world of hurt as far as yep. uh, putting on demos. <laughs> so, you know, I, cool, I, 
I, I I love it. I love this stuff. This this is so cool. So how many air shows do you do a year? I mean, it's a full full time air show schedule, but how many? What does that actually look like? Yeah, so we uh, we're looking at about twenty seven to twenty eight shows this year. Uh, so pretty busy. Uh, we've yeah, got busy. it's an interesting process. Our the budget that we're allocated uh, from Air Combat Command uh, has us for twenty air shows, uh, but we're able to get more shows. Or when we're doing stuff that's local, close to Langley. Obviously, Langley's having an air show here in two weeks, as well as Oceana has a show later in the year. We're flying both of those, and those don't count towards our counters because we're not allocating our funds uh, in order to make those shows happen. We'll also do the international shows uh, about two to three uh, a year, and those don't count towards that 20. And then we've oh, done wow. some uh, some private shows as well. Uh, so we're going out, we'll do a symposium at Maxwell. We went out to the Air Force Academy two weeks ago and did a private show there. We just did a private show at Shepherd Air Force Base for the, the pilot training students and the student maintainers there. So th- those are, you know, we're counting those towards our 27 to 28, but those don't actually count towards our, our budgeted shows. So that's how we get away with doing uh, uh, more than 20, if you will. Yeah, you guys are busy. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, we're uh, we're pushing pretty hard. We've been on the on the road, and uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been tiring, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you know Rob and and a lot of the other air show performers. But the act that you do, um, or the sequence that you do, does that is it pretty similar to when um, I think uh, it was Cabo that was the previous F twenty two guy? Um, or are you allowed to fine tune it or make a little adjustments to your preference? Like how similar or how much free range do you have in, in terms of that? There's not a ton of free range. So uh, the approved maneuver manual has not changed uh, <clears throat> much really uh, since the inception of the team. And, you know, they really, really did a ton of work designing the profile with flight test engineers uh, who were, you know, the initial cadre on the Raptor and uh, it's all built around safety. So they're calculating, you know, maneuvers, altitudes, airspeeds, uh, for certain fuel weights for how we kind of fly the profile. And again, safety is the the largest driving factor. And our demo is kind of unique in that I can have a catastrophic flight control malfunction or lose an engine, completely uh, flame out a, an engine and still recover the airplane at any point in the, in the demo. So that's what it's all driven around. Uh, there's no point where you're reaching for the ejection handle. You're you're going to fly the aircraft out uh, in, the, in the event of an emergency and then land it. Um, so that's what, that's what drives our kind of our altitudes and how the, the sequence flows. There yeah. is some room for, for me to adjust things. So I think the demo, uh, if you were to watch Cabo fly one and then watch me fly one, you'll, you'll see some differences for sure. And a lot of that is, you know, the timing of, you know, when we're putting in the burners, how we're flying the repositions. Uh, and then there's just a couple of things we can add that kind of fit within that maneuver manual. So one of the things we, we started doing was actually an idea from, uh, from Rob Holland. He was at, at Langley watching Cabo and I both fly the demo and he, you know, pulled me aside and said, why don't you do a, a pedal turn to inside downwind for landing? You know, that's what I do. Uh, kind of a challenge there. <laughs> and I was like, you know, Rob, that's a, that's actually a great idea. So, you know, we end the show now uh, I'll do a tack pitch. So I'll, I'll be rolling down the, the crowd line 300 feet, do a really aggressive uh, uh, pitch out where we go post stall for a moment yeah. and uh, we're slow airspeed and then power up into the vertical and kind of towards the end of the demo, 
we're light fuel weight, point almost 90 degrees, you know, nose high, and the jet will actually still accelerate uphill. And so I'll climb up just right in front of the crowd and uh, get up to my normal numbers for my pedal turn maneuver. So no changes to what we have in the manual. And I'll do a high off a loop and then into a pedal turn. And I'll just stop that pedal turn pointed at inside down when throw the gear down and, and go into base to land. And we're like, yeah, that's that's a good good way to get into uh, downwind with a little more style than what we were doing before. So uh, shout out cool. to Rob Holland for that one. Uh, oh, don't give uh, him a shout out. He has enough shout yeah. outs. You know, he, he's got it. He gets enough credit around here. You know, Can you accidentally yeah. bomb his airplane so that we don't have to compete against them? Just just like hit, <laughs> yeah. get into a jet and be like, oh, I forgot these switches were different. I'm just going to drop a thousand pounder on this MX. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Honestly, you can and cut can... the wings off that thing and just load it into the bay. Yeah. You know, just stuff it in there. Yeah. There you go. On the weapons bay pass, just have yeah. uh, Rob's airplane sitting in there. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, there's how a good funny idea. would yeah. that be? Just the, the <laughs> tail, the tail with all yeah. these awards on it. You're just like, oh, there yeah. There you okay. go. Yeah, he's walking around everywhere looking for it. Sees yeah. we've we've got yeah. it stowed up there. Yep. In fact, we we can go like all World War II style, and like everybody could pitch in all their second and third place medals from nationals and strap them to the bomb, and then bomb his airplane with it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, we, we have way too much time to think about how to how to knock Rob off his pedestal, but it just it's a <laughs> you know that that's one uh, I got to say one element that's been really amazing um, getting to know Rob, and uh, obviously he I mean for uh, it's interesting uh, because um raz you wear the air show and and obviously a combat pilot hat um jeff and i are both in the aerobatic world which is completely mm-hmm. separate from air shows and uh yeah. obviously military flying but um you have rob holland who literally bridges and there's a few people that do this bridge the gap uh, or bridge that that um that space in between kind of uh competition and aerobatic flying air show flying and he's become seemingly at least to us more instrumental in um people air, air show demos especially with the military teams it's it, watching him uh be instrumental in or, or at least a part of the the consulting of how maneuvers are flown or giving you know aid where where it's asked for or things like that that's pretty amazing i don't i don't remember seeing that dynamic before can you can you talk a little bit about that? How how Rob's uh, even I mean Absolutely. even the process of having a civilian do that right because that that's uh, pretty unreal in the military world to have you know essentially an outsider be like hey I can give you some pointers. Uh, obviously, it's more Absolutely. dynamic than that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Every every opportunity we get we get that especially from you know folks uh, uh, like you all who are dedicating your your lives to to this trade and you know we are alternating folks out every, every two years. So you get a brand new face show up uh, who may or may not have a lot of experience in air shows. And, you know, we are flying a very rigid routine, um, just trying to hit our numbers and, and fly as close to perfection as we can. But it's, it's really amazing to get this feedback from, from folks who are the masters of designing these sequences. And Rob is certainly, you know, the master of designing these sequences and uh, these uh, sequences that he does in his routine, some of the most creative, you know, in the history of air shows. So just getting his perspective and, and, you know, anytime we get a chance to talk to him at a show and be like, have you tried this? Why don't you do this? You know, and we'll, we'll be there to be like, yeah, we can, we can probably do that. Or no, that's going to take a, some long-term approval process to get that changed. But 
it's been extremely helpful, uh, especially for me starting out uh, to get get that feedback and uh, again thinking of things that I would not have thought of on my own. And so hopefully we continue that conversation throughout the year and throughout my two years of doing this job, and we continue to innovate our routine and, and make it look better, uh, taking in that feedback from from the pros. I love it. That's amazing. That, that's a cool dynamic to see. Um, what was your, in terms of challenges, obviously, you know, it, it's a, what a, what, just, and as you said, I mean, it's a quantum shift in a, probably your, the way you think about the way you fly, uh, going from yep. um, a tactical combat squadron um, and those operations to <laughs> literally, uh, you know, an air show demo, aerobatic maneuvers, uh, yep. box, crowd lines, safety, all that stuff. Yep. What, how was that process uh, for you personally um, shifting your focus in, into becoming an air show pilot? It is definitely a big shift to go to low level uh, aerobatics um, as you know, your, your primary kind of flying. And uh, I had a lot of things working in my favor. Number one being uh, I was learning from Cabo. So the outgoing demo pilot is the instructor for the incoming demo pilot and put, puts us through basically the entire upgrade uh, all the way to certification. And so Cabo was, I don't know if you, you all have had the chance to meet Cabo, outstanding human being and an outstanding uh, fighter pilot, as well as an outstanding instructor. So I really, uh, really had a leg up in the fact that I was learning from him. And uh, early on in the, in the uh, upgrade, we were getting into some of the more nuanced details of how to really do this to make it look good, uh, rather than just you know, here's some knowledge and, you know, go up there and don't, don't try not to kill yourself. You know, we were really, really getting into the weeds and he was taking the time uh, to try to share all the lessons he learned from doing this job for three years. So I'm very, very appreciative uh, to him for, uh, for how he, you know, got me upgraded and, uh, and taught me how to do this job. And that was, uh, that was super helpful. And then, uh, you know, for me, again, it, it is eye opening some of the stuff we're doing in the demo how low altitude we do it. It's just, it's very outside of the normal practices of what you do in a fighter squadron. Uh, you're almost always obviously training tactical objectives. Uh, you're almost never flying by yourself. Uh, just, you know, ringing the airplane out. You're always fighting another airplane or working with a two or four ship of F-22s. So that's definitely a shift. I was definitely a, uh, an air show nut uh, growing up. Uh, uh-huh. And all through through my time as a as a F twenty two pilot, uh, I was still a, a a pretty big time air show fanboy. So I did have the Raptor demo sequence known to, uh, by heart, you know, ever before I started this job. Uh, so just, just just figuring out how to actually fly it uh, from watching it so many hundreds of times, uh, you know, that was that was definitely a step. But uh, I felt pretty pretty at home pretty quickly uh, when I when I was flying this and. Some of that might be as well. I flew in Alaska for three years and we flew a oh, lot neat. of low level uh, in Alaska uh, flying F-22s. So flying low to the ground again, uh, got comfortable there uh, pretty quickly. And I think that was uh, largely thanks to uh, flying so many low levels in Alaska uh, through the mountains and valleys up there. So, yeah, uh, I had a great time learning this profile and I had a great time learning it from Cabo and uh uh, again, all the time he invested in me, hopefully that shows in, uh, in some of our early shows this year, uh, that, that we're flying it the right way, flying a, a good, safe and aggressive demo. Oh yeah. 
Have you always been in the F-22 or were you in uh, an F-16 or an F-18 prior? I've been a uh, Raptor only. Yeah. Since pilot training. Uh, so, so yeah, the one jet I've flown. So we, uh, we had Gator on, we had Hayden on and he was, uh, giving us some insight on the A-10 and, um, really, really cool, uh, podcast we did with him. I love him to death. And he was talking to us about how, like, uh, you guys would do some training missions and basically the, the Raptor pilots would detune the aircraft to like a Cessna 152 Aerobat, um, and still just wipe the floor with the A-10 almost. <laughs> and, uh, he was saying that like, uh, you know, you guys would do a profile where you'd make it, you know, doable for the A-10s to, to compete against. And then at the end of the mission, they'd be like, all right, like turn all the switches off. Let me, uh, let me see how, uh, how badass this thing. And Gator was like, the F-22 is just, it's unstoppable when it comes to, yeah. you know, full <laughs> force, you know, and you basically saying like, you basically like flat spin down or whatever and just put them in the, uh, the, pipe, the pepper and just fucking shoot them all the time. Yep. Yeah. Gator, uh, <laughs> Gator's a great American, uh, first off. Yeah, I got to, obviously he was outgoing this year as well as the A-10 demo pilot, but I, I still got to uh, to meet him and uh, fly with him once, or actually twice at uh, at Heritage Flight Conference with him flying in the A-10, uh, some formation. And yeah, what a what an outstanding American. But uh, yeah, yeah we, we will, we'll train obviously dissimilar all the time. And uh, a lot of times in the setup you were just describing, We'll can the setup so that we're starting uh, within visual range, so we're not using any of the capabilities of the Raptor that you know we'd be trying to shoot you, you know, at range before you could ever see us. We'll, we'll start it up <laughs> with a very canned canned setup. Uh, a lot of times we'll start even defensive, where you know they're they're starting in a more offensive posture against us, uh, and that that way we can just train kind of some basic uh, desired learning objectives of BFM against another fighter. And that's always yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, we we love doing that. And you know, sometimes we'll we'll include the aim nine X. You can shoot nine X's, or sometimes we'll go gun only. So you have to get, you know, really within a a, a gun wes in order to employ the gun. Those are probably the most fun. So and, it's uh, re- it's really for the eight ten guys then, because if you're flying the F twenty two, that's all detuned. It's like I could have just fired a missile while I was sitting on my couch and this. I would yeah, I mean, it's great for us to get to. <laughs> you know, you never know what scenario you're going to find yourself in uh in combat you could be out of out of missiles completely out of schlitz and uh you could be gun only and so yeah we actually get a lot out of get a lot out of uh uh getting to train against dissimilar platforms as well because huge differences in performance and speeds and all of that and you know something like an a10 you wouldn't necessarily find any i mean you wouldn't find an a10 um at uh uh uh, you know, on another country's uh, um, roster, but certainly lower performance, older legacy aircraft. I mean, the chances of you, uh, uh, you know, getting into a dogfight that, that you know, um, the argument that, that those days are over, uh, you know, I can understand that argument, but, um, and the reasons why, because uh, for just as you said, you want to shoot them before they even know you're there. But uh, most other countries are going to have less technologically advanced aircraft. And so fighting, I would imagine dissimilar um, ACM with, with an A-10 is probably very helpful to you, just as it is to them to see the capabilities of the F-22, but for you to practice on aircraft that certainly have less performance or less technology. So 
can apply, you know, going forward. And so it's, it's super helpful. And, you know, the way our tactics are, you know, we want to be down in the fight and we are going to be expending missiles. And then uh, to your point, yeah, we fully expect to arrive in the within visual range uh, arena at some point. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to shy away from that. We want to go get, mix it up and get in those dog fights. Uh, and just so it's that, that damage that you've inflicted beneficial for us. <laughs> Let me just see <laughs> yeah, what actually yeah, right? happened. <laughs> That's so cool, man. Um, so the F-22, is that the only fighter jet right now that has the thrust vectoring or, um, does the F-35, I don't think the F-30, does the F-35 have that? I know it could do vertical takeoff. It but... does not. Yeah. We're the only, uh, we're the only fighter in the U S uh, arsenal with thrust vectoring. Yeah. Is it, do you yeah. think it's cute that Rob tries to do like fifth gen aerobatics, you know, with his, uh, with his plastic <laughs> toy out there while you guys are just like, all right, man, like, let me show you how to, oh, I love let it. me show yeah, you I how mean, to do it. The, uh, <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. The maneuver he added this year that he's calling the fifth gen, because uh, again, we were talking, you know, we're watching the scene from Top Gun where the Su-50 was wild, you know, as we look at yeah. and, uh, uh, we were talking about how we could do that in our demo. And he's like, well, I'm doing it in mine. Uh, and he calls it the fifth gen. And yeah, it's pretty eye-watering to watch. It's uh, it's awesome it. that he he just saw it and then went out and figured out how to fly it and added it to the show. It's like, yep, that's why you're the man. So <laughs> It's yeah. almost like you guys should, you should challenge him with something. I mean, you could you have better than one-to-one power to weight, so you could just climb out of anything. So I would, uh, I would throw it out on a docket and with that as a challenge yeah yeah right yeah we definitely got the we've got the speed and thrust advantage over him that's for sure yeah. just a little bit 100%, just a little bit just a little bit um who so you said you're an air show uh geek grown up what who uh what uh, you know, i i could probably see the correlation of you being um gravitated towards military acts um uh because you became a military pilot and now a military air show demo pilot um but what what was your uh, yep. your go to uh, you know what what really grabbed you at air shows uh, when you were when you were going when you were younger? So starting out, uh, I'm I'm from Iowa and uh, we had an air show just right near my house. Actually, ended up being a, a pretty large air show, the Quad City Air Show. And uh, so early on, when I was a youngster, obviously the Blue Angels, Thunderbirds, uh, got my attention, and then the single ship military demo teams. Uh, I was all about it, you know, basically from uh, a very early age. Uh, I was like, "Yep, I want to be, I want to be a fighter pilot someday." But then, as I kept going to air shows growing up, I really fell in love with all facets of it. You know, the civilian aerobatics, the warbirds. Uh, so I was, that was kind of my gateway into to aviation was air shows because I had no military or aviation background in my family, really no defined route of how to get there um so air shows were kind of my my way to to look in and, and see this aviation world and so uh was going to air shows started taking pictures i figured I'd, I'd take some photos since i had all the routines memorized and uh actually started uh contributing photos to a an aviation magazine magazine world air show news I actually got to oh, yeah. travel to shows as a credentialed uh you know media rep for them that opened a lot of doors for me and uh you know, got to go for some rides with some of the performers uh, in my teenage years and uh, was going out and holding the poles for ribbon cuts for, you know, guys like Skip Stewart, Mike Wiskus, Patty Wagstaff, 
the late yeah. great Jim Leroy, all that. And so that's awesome. I was, I was in love with all of it. Uh, you know, got to go in the backseat uh, with the aeroshell team for a quick hop and uh, uh, some air to air stuff with some warbirds, all that. And uh, I was just completely, completely uh, a fanatic, if you will. You're for, a true for shows and Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, absolutely. I love you it. should, uh, it would have been funny if like the first time you met Sk- Skip Stewart, just to approach him all serious and be like, hey, do you remember me? I was holding the polls yeah. in uh, 2011 yeah, right. and uh, yep. his air show. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't flown a, a show with Skip yet this year, but uh, I'll, I'll see. Maybe he'll let me go out and be on the ribbon crew again because uh, that's oh, always no, a thrill. Cool. So, so that's cool. Uh, do you have a picture of you? Any? Do you have a picture at, of that air show where you did it for him? Because that'd be cool for him to like autograph. <clears throat> I do. Yeah, I uh, sure do. I think that was 2008, 2009. I think Peoria, Illinois, I was out there doing that. So uh, yeah, I still have a photo of that. Yep. Do you have any oh, plans after after military to get into any GA or any type of uh, flying like that? I do. Yeah, I absolutely want to want to stick with it, and uh, uh, I'd love to to continue on and and find a way to still be a part of this. Uh, I, I still have some time left, you know, on the uh, on the military commitment. So I'm, it's a ten year commitment for us once we get our wings, and I'm only on year five from uh, when I got my wings coming up on year six. So even after this That's job, so I'll, I'll cool. go, I'll go back to a line unit, uh, hopefully in the F-22 uh, and, you know, flying as an instructor in one of the combat squadrons, but I'd love to, uh, to continue, continue doing this. And that's definitely in the plans. I don't know exactly, you know, what that's going to look like, but uh, I love flying GA. I did a lot of it up in Alaska, you know, did the tailwheel uh, stuff up there, flying bush planes and flying float planes as well. And awesome. uh, again, absolutely blissful flying, getting to do that. So uh, I'd love I heard to, that love to keep the air show in Alaska is my a friend of mine went there and they're just so happened to be an air show and they Down do it there? within this valley or something. I forget the name of it, but Gary Ward does it. And he oh, said it's incredible. Yeah. The, uh, the Valdez flying. Valdez, yeah. Is the one that, yeah. Yep, and he was saying yeah, that because of like where it is, like the the sound that comes off the the echoing and everything. It's just it's just such a cool cool air show to go to. Yep, it is a uh, that airport so unique, uh, and yeah, very dramatic, massive mountains just surrounding that airport. So it's a very very unique spot to have a, an air show and flying. Do you plan on going back to Alaska or wanting to go back to Alaska? How does that work as the demo pilot? Because you guys everybody i think a lot of people think it's all rainbows and sunshine but you guys are working like crazy do you get any like uh choice or any input to where you could be stationed next and do you have any place in mind you know i i'm not sure how that's going to work um i i'd like to again continue on flying the, the f-22 and and wherever that may take me uh, i'd love to go back to alaska i've never flown with the uh, the guys out in Hawaii, so Hawaii would be another cool option uh, to go fly F-22s out there. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what uh, what, what the future holds for me. Uh, I'm just, feel, just starting out in this job, so haven't haven't gotten quite to the, the follow-on yet. But I feel like when you mention Alaska, I just picture Mark, like that scene from Cool Runnings, where they get off the plane and they're in, like, every <laughs> article of clothing possible. <laughs> that, that's and, and that's Mark. Mark. Mark can't handle anything below 50 yeah. degrees. <laughs> the irony is that I fly for Alaska yeah. Airlines. I know. There you go. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, no, I, I know it's wild. Um, how many air shows are you in in so far? It's, it's got to just be a couple. Yeah, I think we just uh, so we we start out the season at uh, at Barksdale, uh, which was a great show, and then we did a uh, we did Homestead, and then we we went out and did our you know that kind of private show at the Air Force Academy. And then just did a Dias Air Force Base and Shepard this past weekend. So really all in all, you can call it four air show weekends uh, so far uh, with a lot more to come. Awesome. Awesome. How's it feeling so far? Uh, I guess I'll take I'll, I'll take a step back from that question. How was the first air show as a fully signed off demo pilot? And then how's it been going so far? Any <clears throat> any surprises that that, you know, uh, the you know multitude of dry runs, practice demos, and, and, and the, the yep. kind of prior to getting signed off that like just didn't come up or you didn't expect or didn't think about, uh, before the, uh, the actual first, <laughs> the first show hits and you, yeah. you, you know, wheels yeah. leave the ground and you're like, Oh crap. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I was very fortunate, <laughs> uh, again, um, I got started on the, the upgrade early and, and that was largely due to, uh, to Cabo pushing for that. So I started flying the demo while I was traveling with the team as the safety observer, I uh, started practicing it when we were at home at Langley, I think last September, uh, October timeframe, so that I was fully certified as the demo pilot in uh, in December of last year. And then that gave me, you know, January, February, really, to practice. And I, I did as many practices as I could get out at Langley. And that was hugely, hugely beneficial because every air show, is different and presents its unique challenges, uh, whether it's the way the air show set up, the weather, uh, so maybe some maintenance things we're working through. And so every practice, again, I was just so thankful that I got those, especially at that first air show, because when you have to make some changes for the weather, clouds moving in, uh, literally talking to the safety observer on the ground, like, is there a pocket of blue sky at show center? Can I pull in the vertical or am I going to have to do a different maneuver here as I'm in the reposition, uh, things like that. It, it felt very comfortable and we're able to, you know, change things and alter things as we need to. And because we've practiced so many times, uh, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's just continuing on with the routine and all feels very safe and very, uh, refined. So, so again, I was very fortunate to get, the amount of practice that I did. And uh, I'm very, very glad that we did. So. That's awesome. That's great. I mean, it's the, yeah. so just fully prepared. Yep, yep. That's how we try to be. And uh, hopefully again, we just, we just keep getting better and better every week uh, throughout yeah. this entire show season. Do you get a lot of questions about the helmet? Cause that's one of the things I read about uh, when, when some of the fifth gen fighters come up um, is the, how intricate the uh, the helmet is and and advanced it is. Um, how careful you got to be super careful with that thing, right? It's worth like a million bucks or something. Or... So we actually uh, we do not have the fancy helmet. Um, I'm flying just a baseline baseline fighter helmet. Um, the F-35 has the uh, high price tag. Uh, all the capabilities where everything that you would need data wise is is in that helmet display. We fly with a heads up display. Uh, that's in the jet and that's where we're getting all of our data. So we don't have any of yeah. that, that fancy, uh, fancy stuff on the helmet. Uh, we just have a very baseline, uh, simple helmet that we fly. Was with. it like a gen Gentex? Cause I know lift, right? Mark, wasn't <clears throat> lift getting involved in some type of military contract. 
Lyft is doing, um, I, I think they're doing, uh, I mean, they got the Air Force contract, and I, I'm pretty sure they're doing testing with the F-22 now. So it'll eventually. Yeah, I think, I think uh, that's that's been going on down here at Eglin, actually. I know yeah. one of the, there's a pilot here who who flew with kind of that, that newer generation lightweight helmet. And uh, yeah, uh, we were reading about that and actually just talking to them about that because uh, they were interested about us maybe flying that in the demo. But uh, right now, awesome. yeah, we're just, we're using the very baseline helmet that you'd fly with an air force pilot training uh or in just uh any other fighter uh nothing nothing fancy to our helmet are you allowed if you wanted to if it's a basic helmet would you be allowed to to use um something that you own or purchase like like a different manufacturer or it has to be um obviously uh, approved you know an approved air you know, force. yeah that's a great question I, i'm not sure on that one um my guess would be that, yeah, you'd have to go through the approval and make sure, you know, that it meets all the standards that they have set forth. Um, but yeah, I've not asked about using, using a a different helmet. Gotcha. And does it like, uh, you have noise canceling or stuff like that? Yeah, we've got a, I mean, our baseline helmet, we've got kind of noise canceling earmuffs that fit, fit over your ears. And then we fly, it's called access. So basically, uh, they hook up to your headset and they're, they're functioning as earplugs, but also the sound is being transmitted right through those access points in your ear. So yeah, you really get nice, clear quality sound, uh, because it's getting transmitted, you know, right to your eardrum. Um, CEPs basically. Uh, yeah. 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 And so, so those work really well. Uh, and those go well with the helmet. Are you allowed to like have any Bluetooth where you can listen to this Van Halen or something? <laughs> I like know, that? right? <laughs> We've always been asking about that, especially for these, you know, these long missions where we're flying jets across the ocean. If we could get a, you know, an adapter to hook those up to some music, uh, so you could at least have one earphone playing playing some music while you're listening to ATC on the other. But yeah, I have not personally done that. Um, yeah, I've never ever tried that one out. <laughs> disclaimer i have i have no knowledge of ever yeah right yeah. anything yeah like that exactly yep. <laughs> yeah, like a, bad, a, a gen one ipod <laughs> you know yeah. where you used to like yeah. use the circle part with your thumb remember those oh yeah yep, yep. Oh, how about creature uh, comfort is- stuff like uh like gloves or i mean even even coming down to stuff like socks and i know uh obviously military parents all you know shoes and all, all that stuff has to be uh, probably, uh, you know, uniform issue, but uh, are there any other little, little things that, uh, give you kind of just a, you know, that, that might be different from, from, um, using, uh, items that you would use, you know, in combat duty that, that gives you, I thought you were going to ask him what underwear he was going to use. Yeah. Boxers, briefs, (laughs) you know, yeah, Yeah, right. Commando. I don't know. (laughs) We don't, uh, we don't change it up all that much. I mean, uh, we just, pretty much fly with the, the same stuff we have in a line unit obviously we don't have to carry all the extra stuff that you'd have to do depending on where you're flying missions at uh for an air show which is kind of nice uh a lot of times you know at langley we're wearing thermal exposure suits uh sure. called poopy suits to be out over the cold atlantic waters I don't have to worry about any of that ever for an air show which is very nice um i you know i bought a, a personal pair of gloves that have a little more dexterity so that I can make sure I'm hitting the right buttons. They're kind of like wide receiver gloves, if you will, that I fly with now, but everything else is pretty much, you know, the same. Uh, 
different color flight suit, different color boots, but they're about the same as what we wear in the line units. So fairly standard oh, stuff. Let's send you out a pair of gloves. We got Mark and I made uh made some gloves that are pretty lightweight, but um yeah, we'll have to figure that out and get an address. Can, yeah, we, can yeah. we talk about the F-22's most significant achievement to date? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> it's it's famous air-to-air kill. Oh, yeah. Yep. What, was it you? <laughs> Did you no, do it? No, it was not, it was not me. Uh, no, do you know I the mean, person? I, yeah, sure do. Yeah, it's a, it's a small community. So I was just to say, it's got to be a such a small community. Pods. Yep. Yeah, which is one of the cool parts of it. Uh, I mean, even folks stationed all over. Again, we we fly and integrate together so much that you know pretty much everyone. Everyone in Alaska, everyone in Hawaii, everyone in Florida, everyone in Virginia. It's it's a, a pretty small network of pilots, uh, which is pretty neat. That's actually we um, something that's the, very uh, unique because I mean the F thirty five is in smaller numbers but there's no plan there's there's no plans to keep it small i mean uh that's going to be an aircraft that replaces uh you know the legacy f-18 fleet probably some some yep. rhinos early rhinos things like that eventually and that's going to be the navy's uh, and marine corps you know um basically do all fighter um whereas the f-22 it was like yep. basically produced it's it's in place and i it's out of production now right it is. Yeah, it's been out. Uh, the last one rolled off the line in, in 2009, and that was tail 195. So there were 195 built, and that, that's all we're going to get. Um, and that's it. So, yep. Yeah, and so yep. like you have you have like the like the F1, F-117, the U-2. I'm sure there's other examples of like small community. Um, I, I hate to use the term niche, but it kind of is because it's, it's such a unique aircraft uh, in the arsenal. But that that really does make it pretty fun. It's got to make it really yeah, fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the fact that, you know, we can go to a different base to borrow their jets and you show up there and you know everyone there and it's a, it's a big reunion every time. It's always fun. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed that aspect of this community and outstanding people through and through uh, who are flying these jets and maintaining these jets. And again, it goes the same for the maintainers. You, you get to know them at all the bases and and see them uh, different points throughout your career and it's just it's just awesome getting to work with those folks all the time so yeah i was gonna say too like in even in the future it's gonna be pretty amazing that um your the amount of f-22s that you're gonna have flown throughout the airshow circuit and to be able to look back and like see one in a picture or whatever and be like i probably flew that airplane you know with yeah. every time one comes up you know <laughs> yep or like yep, oh that was from the ratty f-22 base that was the uh, i know that airplane smelled like yep. bacon <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah. Old Betsy. Old Betsy. <laughs> oh man. But out, back to our um our inflatable talk. Um <laughs> I was we were talking on a previous podcast or one other that I thought it'd be really cool and even a way to like raise money where like I bet you one of these like World War II guys that owns a fighter, if the Air Force was like, all right, we're gonna put it out for bid. That you could take any p51 or whatever we'll give you live ammo yeah and you know just like let it go to bid and like i bet you there's some guy out there or a girl out there that would that you know just you know for whatever reason super successful and hard work and has a world war ii fighter that would pay a lot of money to be able to go load up with live ammo and go shoot something down 
Like, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. To get to fire, fire the, the gun on a P 51. Yeah. Like, yeah, that'd be uh that would be, awesome. it would have done the yeah. It would have done the job. Right. I mean, we've all played that game online with the monkey. Like all it takes is. Yeah. Yeah. I would have had a little trouble getting up to 60,000 feet, I think for a Mustang, but, uh, oh, yeah. but the, <laughs> I'm sure the guns would be, uh, would be just fine. Yeah. I think that'd be, uh, That'd be awesome. Get a Get some uh, Jado assist on that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There <laughs> you go. There. Yep. yep. Oh my god. Yeah. Any um any World War Two fighters that really uh at the top of your list, or if, if we ex Hayden Hayden is him and I uh kind of had similar interests with if he can go back to whatever era and fly whatever machine um he wanted to, yeah. to fly the Thunder Chief. Um. Yeah. Any uh yeah. any fighter or any jet um that you would <laughs> Love to just be able to take a time machine and sit and go fly. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, Thank you. You know, it's it's close for me between. Obviously, I love the Mustang. Everyone loves the Mustang. Uh, I also love the P thirty eight, and I love reading the stories and the bios, and you know, Robin Old's book talking about you know flying the P thirty eight. And uh, if I could, yeah, if I could hit the button and go fly P thirty eights in World War Two. Uh, absolutely. I'd hit that button right now. And, uh, you know, that'd be amazing. I also love the F-86 and, you know, the Korean War adventures uh, of the F-86. You know, that'd be amazing, too. And to to live in an era where you're going to be flying, you know, P-38s and then going right into the kind of the, the start of the jet era for the Air Force. I think that would have yeah. been really, really cool. Uh, so I would absolutely I think I think P-38 would be number one World War Two and sick uh, airplane. But, but I love I love all warbirds and uh, at the Heritage Flight Conference this year, you know my first time there got to fly in the back seat of a of a P fifty one, and it you just so happened Steve to be you know the, I actually flew with uh, Limiter uh, Tommy Limiter Williams, and it was a dual okay. control Mustang, and so he got, he took us off, and we were in formation with uh with Jim Beasley and another Mustang, and then yep. uh, Rebel in the F sixteen and. Uh, gives me the controls so my first uh my first tick time in the mustang was in formation in a three ship and i was <laughs> that's uh, awesome was, yeah beside myself enjoy uh you know definitely uh could use some more some more hacks at that uh to get good uh, but i i had yeah. an absolute ball and talk about a uh, a dream come true uh getting to to fly that airplane was amazing yeah. so i got an opportunity to go a couple times and i remember like it was just, it, I mean, the flying was really neat, but it was just so cool to have the sight picture of what, you know, these kids uh, going into war, like, got, you know, that was, oh, yeah, visual. Absolutely. it was just like, to me, that that's what kind of stood out. I mean, the flying was incredible, yep. but just to like, see what they kind of, you know, were, were seeing and, ah, uh, it was, it was pretty, absolutely, it was yeah, and to be pretty amazing into that, that airplane with, you know, such limited experience and then going to fight in that airplane, um, just amazing, amazing appreciation for what those individuals did and the sacrifices yeah, yeah. they made. It was a, uh, it was really cool. Well, and that, yeah. that, that brings an excellent segue of why that heritage program exists. Um, it's, I mean, obviously it's, it's a great uh, representation to show uh, uh, our old um, air force equipment to modern air force equipment side by side, uh, which is a beautiful thing, but certainly to mm -hmm. honor or to, to highlight um uh, you know, the incredible sacrifices that, that they all made in those airplanes. It's, it's a real interesting, you know, like on the Navy side with the, the legacy program. And, 
Um, Absolutely. Both of those yep. programs are just fantastic at, at you know, honoring the these old aircraft that we love, but also the pilots that flew them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's it's so that people don't forget and it's it's living history in motion. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you can walk through a museum and see some of these airplanes, you know, sitting idle that are no longer airworthy, but to actually, you know, hear a Mustang fire up, hear the sounds, uh, hear, you know, sm- get the smells uh, of those old World War II airplanes and then and then see them flying. I think, you know, it's just it provides so much impact. And, you know, I like to tell people when I ask, you know, what the best part of this job is, other than getting to work with the our demo team members, which is, I'd say, the best part of this job, uh, the flying side of it, I think the Heritage Flight is by far the coolest thing that we get to do. And, you know, being so a part cool. of that program is probably the thing I'm most, you know, most thankful for. And, yeah, the fact that almost every year show at the end of our demo, we're going to go rejoin with a, a P-51 or a different Warbird. Uh, I just think it's amazing uh, and very thankful to the folks who have kept that running and put in the time and money and resources to keep that uh, keep that in the air. Is there Fantastic a program? Um, um, is there a, uh, not a program, but at, at air shows, um, is there a way for a lot of the veterans that that flew World War II and you know sometimes the uh, the same plane that's in the Heritage program to be able to come up? Because you know, if I was a, a demo pilot, I would love to be able to go around the country just to hear the stories and 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 talk to them and and learn and listen and stuff like that um is that something you're looking forward to trying to do you know to talk to some hundred percent yeah yeah any chance we get you know it's it's you know sadly increasingly rare uh, say it's there's not many left to go and meet those folks uh one of the most memorable uh experiences i've had with the demo team when i was traveling around as safety observer we were out at the sacramento show uh with cabo flying and uh colonel joe peterbus was around uh and he flew P-51s, shot down an ME-262. A remarkable story. He was at the show. And uh, so got to meet him. And as soon as we we met him and started hearing about his experiences, uh, we got to work and got him up, you know, uh, to the cockpit of the Raptor. You know, he's he's old. And he was using a walker. When we got him up to the jet, he just threw that thing to the side and just, you know, got right up there. Um, That's awesome. Because he was, he was thrilled to get to see it. And then at that same show, he got in the backseat of, of a Mustang and went and flew in a Mustang for the first time, I think, since, you know, since his time in service. And so that was just, uh, again, amazing to see. And so any opportunity right, yeah. we get like that, uh, absolutely, we'll take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, we want to open open the doors and, and, and let them see the aircraft. And if we can get them flying 100 percent, because that's, you know, to honor their sacrifice and everything they've done, uh, that is you know, time well spent for us and uh, incredibly meaningful for us as well. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Just the stories. Like I got to sit in a, not a seminar, but it was like a private event and um, they restored a Mustang to uh, um, uh, a gentleman's same nose art. And, and he gave a speech uh, about his experiences in world war two. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm listening and, and looking at, and it's just like, it's, you know, here's a guy telling his, his story about what he did and um, the battles he was in. And he's right in front of me. It's just total. Pitch yeah, it's incredible. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And they're so was, obviously they're just super humble too, which is, you know, these guys were just complete animals, warriors, like just. Yeah, into, yeah absolutely. 
Yeah. But also they were just they were just people wow. that that did an extraordinary thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, flying flying warbirds like getting to meet veterans and you're just like, oh, like this is that we they are heroes, but they they were just man, they just stepped up. They were they were Absolutely. scared yeah. as hell, just like we would be. They stepped up and did it. It's it's pretty incredible. I mean, that almost like a duality, you know, of of they are absolutely heroes. They are extraordinary, but they were just ordinary people that did extraordinary things and stepped up. And absolutely, here they are. yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, and extraordinary circumstances as well. And uh, absolutely, yeah, they rose to the occasion. And uh, yeah, just incredible yeah. stories and incredible examples that they set. So, are there absolutely. any books that like? Um... Any books that you've recently read or read in the past that um, I don't know you loved or uh, would mention? That's another great question. I uh, I just read Fifty Shades of Grey does not count. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh, uh, yeah, I'll leave that one out. Um, you know, after the Heritage Flight Conference, I went back and reread probably for the sixth time. Um, you know, Fighter Pilot, Robin Olds. Uh, fantastic just, book you know obviously love that book and uh i just recently reread uh chuck yeager's uh autobiography and again it's just so amazing to me uh to to read those stories and just think how how much times have changed and uh for him being on the line as a test pilot how many things they were figuring out and the risk they were taking uh, even in, in non-combat flying just uh, amazing to me and uh any anytime I get a chance to read stories like that, it's always incredibly humbling and also incredibly uh, motivating to think about yeah. the extraordinary feats that these guys pulled off. Um, but I'm 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 looking for for the some more aviation books. So if you guys got recommendations uh, that I take on the road, I'm I'm all ears. But do you ever read? Uh, or I do audio books because uh, I hate read. I shouldn't say that out loud. I just don't like reading. Uh, a higher call. I have not read that. That's on the list. Yeah. I haven't done that one either. I got to do that one. Yeah. That's, I love that. I was, yeah, I was listening to it. Um, obviously in the car, looking back and there were times where I pull you know, I get home, be in the driveway and just keep listening because it was just, it's an incredible story. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to pick that um, one up. Uh, and what's even more amazing is they, they met like later on in life. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah. You know, the B-17 pilot that got escorted out. Yeah. Um, and then there was, uh, you were talking about, you know, Robin Old's book and stuff like that. For some reason that there was a, uh, I don't know, it was like this like picture online with a caption and it was uh, of Bob Hoover standing with Harrison Ford. And the caption was one of these, one of these guys, you know, escaped prison, stole, stole a, uh, you know, I forget how it was worded, you know, World War II fighter and escaped out of, you know, German occupied, whatever. Um, I, I forget the exact caption, the other one. And then it's like the other guy is just an actor. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Was, I got to find it just so I can do it justice saying the caption. But it was just like what these men did and women did. It's just yep. like next level. Stuff and what, one more I left off there. I, I did read uh, Devotion. Uh, on a, if you've seen the movie. Um, the book is way better. The, yep. I mean, as it, as it normally is, because, yep. you know, the movie can't capture everything the book captured, but another incredibly moving story. And uh, yeah, yeah, I just really read that one uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, remarkable story and definitely worth 
worth your time to to give that one a read. Uh, I like the movie too. Into, yeah, I did too. I did too. But uh, the but book it is, is incredible. cool to go in that that detail. Yep, yeah. uh, of the book. So I love it. Those are some good books. <laughs> well, we've we've had you on darn near an hour. Um, before we we let you go, because I know you got to go pick up a jet and uh, go do the fun stuff. Um, how can people follow you, follow the, um, the demo team, uh, get more, more information on joining the air force, becoming a pilot or becoming a maintainer? Um, how, how can people, um, get more info on that and follow you and follow uh, your journey? Absolutely. Uh, so best way to see us, you know, kind of day to day, week to week, uh, F 22 demo team, uh, we're on all the social media. We've got a, a dedicated public affairs airman who's, who's running that, sharing sharing the stories from the roads. So that's the best way to keep up with the team. Uh, we've also got you know the F twenty two demo team website, and then uh, you know you can go to kind of your standard uh, Air Force uh, recruiting websites that have a, a wealth of information of different commissioning sources. If you want to go the pilot route, or different uh, opportunities that exist if you want to enlist in the Air Force. Uh, so if you want to follow the team, you know look for the F-22 demo team. And then I'd, I'd say go to the, uh, the air force, uh, websites to get, uh, get the information. If you're, if you're interested in, in pursuing this as a career path. I love it. I love it. Jeff, anything else, dude? Oh I man. Mean, so, so much, much more. more. I, I know. I, I could, I was just thinking like, man, I could, I could, I could take Raz's whole day. <clears throat> Yeah, I was going to ask about I've got smoke, some more smoke systems in the F-22 or formation. I've got some more time F-22. here. So if you, if you guys want to do a few more questions, um, I'm here for it. So that's no issues okay. if, you, if you got some more. But. How about this? I, I love the um, be, just because I've I, I mean, I've heard it at shows, but um, how about the. Um, trying to think of the, the most eloquent way to ask this, the sales pitch of the F-22, um, the, yeah. you know, its mission, its capabilities why it's such an amazing air, uh, airplane. Um, give us the sales pitch on the F-22 Raptor. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the world's first, you know, true, true fifth generation fighter that tied in all these, these concepts that kind of ushered in a new era of, of air combat, talking extreme stealth, extreme super maneuverability, uh, extreme, you know, thrust and power. And then sensor fusion, uh, is you know the Raptor is the first jet to really incorporate this, where you have sensors all around the jet to include a very capable radar, and they're all working in concert, all federated, and they're presenting information, uh, incredibly consolidated information to the pilot sitting up, a, you know, in the cockpit, to where you have this 360 degree battle space uh, coverage, and you're very uh, easily able to identify friend and foe and make decisions very quickly. And and that information and the ability to make decisions is is truly critical, uh, you know, in, in a fight. And so, it it ushered in all these these new concepts that kind of changed the the game for air combat and made the F twenty two just substantially superior to anything. And obviously, you know, other nations near peer adversaries are trying to catch up, uh, but the Raptors, you know, it's been around for a while, and it still has maintained its edge as the you know the premier air dominance fighter in the world. And then for the airframe itself, uh, just a remarkable, remarkable airframe. I mean, an absolute jackpot for America that we built this thing and that we figured it out when we did uh, to build such a capable, capable uh, uh, platform. 
Um, and it was all done internal, you know, in, in the United States. And, you know, we got 70,000 pounds of thrust uh, for about a 65,000 pound uh, airplane when it's fully loaded with gas and munitions. And then just an incredible uh, flight control uh, system with massive flight controls that allows to do, you know, maneuvers that other fighters just can't. Uh, and in working with uh, in concert with thrust vectoring. Uh, just makes it such a remarkable uh, air-to-air platform and still to this day, uh, the premier air-to-air platform uh, in the world. I'll take it. I'll take two. But that's my sales pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's my sales pitch. Yeah. I love oh it. Is, um, not from a, uh, obviously a, um, um, uh, oh, a, a classified or, or, um, um, tactical standpoint, perform a a maybe an, an air show uh, maneuver standpoint. Is there a maneuver? What what would what what causes you the most heartburn in in a in a routine? In terms, maybe not of difficulty, but of something where like you're you're maybe having to ask a lot of the jet uh, in in a given in a given yeah. phase. Yeah. Is there is there a maneuver that where just every single time you're like, man, this is uh, it just doesn't like it as much as maybe another airplane would. You know, to be honest, not really, because the maneuvers we do in the air show are, are pretty basic. They're pretty basic uh, derivations of stuff we could do in a within visual range dogfight. And we're, we're well within the flight control envelope of the jet always in the demo. And back to that point of, of 70,000 pounds of thrust, you know, you can really power out anything. So it's, it's tough in this airplane to ever really get yourself in a bad spot because you have so much thrust to overcome. And a lot of the maneuvers we're doing in the demo were post-stall. So, you know, coefficient of lift, you know, on the jet where the jet airframe is stalling is 36 degrees angle of attack. And we're going, you know, 60 to 90 degrees angle of attack in the demo, going zero airspeed uh, over the top. And the jet's completely controllable. Uh, with the massive flight control services and that thrust vectoring working for us. So everything is well within the limits of the airplane and everything is is uh, easily controlled, to be quite honest. Um, so it's it's honestly a pleasure to, to get to fly it. One of the things that's interesting about the demo, we do this, this tail slide maneuver where we obviously we go up, uh, bring the throttles to idle, and then, you know, push them back to mill, but get the jet established in a tail slide backwards. And we'll slide it until we're getting to about 75 knots in reverse going uh, straight backwards. That's definitely uh, an interesting one go- coming from a line unit to fly in the demo to, to go up the tail slide. <laughs> That's such a departure. And, yeah, the, the airframe is, uh, is very, uh, is not susceptible to departing controlled flight. You know, the original tech order for the Raptor uh, opened up like this is the manual for the pilots. It said, you may fly this airplane with reckless abandon. They subsequently took that out because guys did that um, and found (laughs) ways to cause issues. That's why we can't have nice things. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Blame that on, uh, on the fighter pilots. Uh, We always find a way uh, to break things, but the tail slide definitely it's, it's not, you know, it's not crazy to think, you know, you could be in a scenario and I've, I've, I've seen it before in, in dog fighting where you're trying to get the, the high ground, if you will, and who's going to fall off first and you end up in some kind of tail slide, but to go up and intentionally do that as an aerobatic maneuver, that was a little, uh, 
a little eye-opening, especially when there's clouds around you and you can really get the uh, sensation that you're you're no kidding sliding, you know, on on your tails first. And uh, we fly with the flight control hut, uh, flight test hud, I should say, in the uh, when we're flying the demo, and that gives us a beta readout in the hud, so we can keep track of how much yaw is on the airplane the entire demo. And we want to keep keep an eye on that, make sure there's no uncommanded yaw when we're going to these extreme uh, angles of attack. And the tail slides one where we have uh, pretty tight restrictions on how much yaw we can accept because for a moment in time there, when, when you go up and the jet basically goes to zero airspeed prior to picking up airspeed in reverse, uh, you are actually, you know, you're pretty much a giant kite up there, just a 60,000 pound kite up in the sky. You always have the option with thrust vectoring and with the flight control laws, you can always just push forward and recover out of that. No problem. Uh, but we have to watch the the yaw tolerances on that one in particular. If it's gonna if it starts building up yaw, and there's not much you can do aside from applying some uh, laterally center uh, laterally centered uh, back stick or forward stick pressure to kind of keep that uh, yaw balanced out. Uh, but that's one you could if you let the yaw go beyond the tolerances, you can put yourself in a bad spot. So so we keep an eye on that one in particular uh, to make sure that. We're staying within those tolerances, and uh, once we get some airspeed going on the jet backwards, it's now you're just uh, along for the ride, having some fun until you're getting your recovery numbers. But wow, man, this sounds like a fun ride. <laughs> it's so cool. It is, yeah, yeah. Flying the demos is, is definitely fun, uh, and again, doing it at the altitudes we get to do it at, uh, it's uh, it is always a rush. So. I know that um, you guys don't have a, well, I know with the F-22 now that you switch from fighter to fighter, but do you know why the, say like the A-10 team or the F-16 team um, don't do a uh, smoke system in there or wingtip smoke? Because I was just thinking about that uh, when we were doing this podcast. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, uh, yeah, I know they, some of the international F-16 teams have that, uh, the missile rail smoke on the sides of the airplane. That's like, a great question. I, guess, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know for uh, for a single ship. They'd have to cut. Is, they'd uh, have to cut like two air shows out of the budget with that much smoke. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's money right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. And, I, I know for you know Blues and Thunderbirds. You know they they've taken components out of those those aircraft and replaced them with smoke systems yeah. in order to have you know that that smoke out of the out of the rear of the aircraft. But I'm not I'm not sure for the single ship teams. Yeah, I don't know yeah. um, for the Super Hornet, but the Legacy Hornet, if I remember correctly, one of the fuel cells was literally converted to a smoke tank. Um, oh, on nice. The, on the Legacy. Okay. Yeah. So it was like not an easy um, or, yeah, it just wasn't an easy thing to to, to slap on or off. Semi-permanent. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and that's uh, obviously out for us. You know, we can't make any modifications to the airplane because... Uh, when we bring them home to Monday, they go right back into the rotation for combat training sorties. Uh, so we can't do anything to our airplanes, unfortunately. But Did you um, hear anything in the pipeline? I know there's limited stock, but you think the F-22 will ever be a Thunderbird? That's I, I'm not sure on that one. Uh, Is that a yes? <laughs> Boy, that'd be yeah, tough. I, <laughs> yeah, I think it would be tough. 
And I think, yeah. you know, one of the, the, the tough things is with that system being so federated and all those sensors on the jet working in concert together, you know, designed very well. It'd be tough to start modifying any of that stuff to make it a, a true air show airplane. Um, yeah, it, I think it'd be tough for a, a fifth gen fighter with uh, with how how the systems are working in concert. Yeah, uh, if you wanted to start modifying stuff, I think it'd, it'd be more difficult than say you know some of your legacy platforms. But who knows? That'll be uh, that decision will be well above my pay grade uh, for for what the Thunderbirds next airplane is, but. Well, and especially when you look at yeah. the capability of fifth gen fighters in general, in, you know, it's a generality, but that airplane is designed to be modifiable. I mean, and we've even seen it with, with legacy aircraft. I mean, I don't even know what block of the F-16 they're on now, but I mean, it's been modified and modified and modified and, and updated yep. and upgraded. I mean, I would imagine that, uh, rather than, uh, this, this sounds demeaning, but I don't mean it to be, but, it, but it kind of is, it's like. If you're going to put any airplanes into the Thunderbirds, you're you're relegating it to a, a non-combat, non-frontline duty that I guess could always be converted yep. if needed. But I mean, the you're I mean you're almost crippling the Raptors' uh, mission uh, cap- and, and capability by relegating it to the Thunderbirds. I can't imagine yeah, and, that would and, ever happen. And that's a, a great point. I mean, I, I know the Thunderbirds; they can convert those back to combat-ready fighters pretty pretty quickly. Uh, which is which is pretty awesome testament to what they can do, uh, but yeah, for us we don't have that many F-22s as it is. Uh, we're already with having enough jets to to fill all the line units that we have, and kind of the demand for F-22s and exercises and uh, around the world, uh, we're using all all the F-22s that we have. Uh, so I'd say we're, we're fairly maxed out capacity wise, and uh, be tough to to relegate eight of them to, uh, to go do air shows. Yeah. 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 And then you mentioned, uh, internationals, which, uh, where are you going internationally? So we've got, uh, Seoul, South Korea on our schedule for, I believe it's October timeframe. And then we're working yeah. on a couple others. Those are always, uh, it always is challenging, uh, because, the MAGCOM, so say Air Force Pacific Command or Air Force Europe Command, will actually foot the bill for that show rather than Air Combat Command. And we also have to source aircraft again from a unit um, to get them there, airlift, maintenance, all that. So there's some in the works, but the one, the one I think we're, uh, we're for sure tracking to do is uh, Seoul later this year. And then, uh, you know, the team did... Uh, Avalon, Australia. Cabo actually flew that one earlier this year. Um, while I was oh, at the Heritage cool. Flight Training Conference. Yeah. So, uh, but hopefully we'll get a couple more uh, this year. And if if not this year, then definitely uh, in 2024. We're already talking about then, uh, a few. You mentioned you guys do private events too, right? <clears throat> yeah. No, yeah, so, no, you so, can't hire him for your birthday, Jeff. I was about yeah, to say my right. son's yeah. my son's communion is coming up, and um... oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just give us a give us a time and a place. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Do you accept kidneys as payment? Oh my god! Yeah, like there you the, go. the heritage <laughs> flight pro- heritage flight program is just going to get a bunch of emails. Um, are you guys busy on July 16th? <laughs> There's a yeah, lovely exactly. softball yeah. World Series that I'd like you to yeah fly over. I know. Yeah. I, you know, obviously, we'd love to do as many as we could. Uh, you know, these the ones that we've done this year, 
uh, obviously out at the Air Force Academy, uh, flying for the, you know, the cadets and the staff out there, you know, just, just trying to get some, some motivation for, uh, for those folks who are about to, again, you know, come out, join us, uh, on the line and, and be our replacements. So we thought that was a, a, a very important one. And same thing for, uh, for Shepard Air Force Base, you know, Dias was a one day show and we're, you know, we're a 10 minute flight over to Shepard. So we're like, why not do this? So we applied for all the FAA waivers and did all that ourselves in order to get an aerobatic box there and, and put on that show. And again, just to, that retention portion of the job is important and uh, getting folks fired up to come join us in the line units um, and, you know, excited to come out and serve. That was, that was important to us. And then I have one final question. Um, and I ask uh, Aiden this, um, what is your favorite air show food? We're a bunch of foodies on this show. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. His answer was the, uh, the pretzel hot dog. <laughs> pretzel bun. <laughs> Which that's fair, a pretty good choice. Well. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Solid. You know, that's been a. I'm still figuring that one out. You know, as a newbie, um, it's it's challenging uh, with kind of our day to day schedule on an air show to even get food, um, especially when you've got crowds out there and you're you're talking to folks. So, my uh, my go to really has been uh, <laughs> like a Cliff Bar. No kidding, I have a, a Cliff Bar. Uh, out by the okay. jets and chuck some water before I fly. And then a lot of times, you know, we fly one or two demos in a day. Myself and all our maintainers, you know, are out on the line all day and talking to folks uh, after we're done flying, uh, talking with the crowd. And sometimes, you know, we'll get to the end of a show day at like 7 p.m. and realize we all forgot to to eat. So yeah. so we're still okay. uh, still one out of uh you'll get, get there i mean that, there. Yeah. that's probably how gator was in the beginning and then by the end of his his uh, stint he was like a pretzel hot dog on one hand to, to <laughs> yeah. find a funnel routine cakes. <laughs> funnel cakes yep. in the wipe cockpit <laughs> the powdered sugar just wiping it off his mouth <laughs> oh, yeah. yep yep yeah, I'm, I'm sure those days are coming for me yep <laughs> oh my god that's fine we'll have it. to reach but we'll have to get you back on at the end and and uh and uh, you'll yeah. have to listen to the episode before we record again. Yeah, there <laughs> see you go. Different yep. Pick new choices. <laughs> yep. yep. Oh, man, that's funny. Raz, yeah, we can't thank you. We, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. And uh, we're going to have to have a, a, a part two on food because that's that's what we do around here. We talk about airplanes, but we really yeah. like talking about food. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully I'll have it figured out by then. Yep. Yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah. That's our mission. That's our that, that, that's our, yeah. That's our goal. That's our goal for you. Not it's not to you know the flying. It's 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 already firing. It. No. Yeah. It, no. No. Just, we got to get the we got to yep. get the menu locked in. Yep. Absolutely. Gator Gator's loading up the uh, the um, uh, what should we call it the gun with hot dogs. He's not shooting whatever caliber. Yeah. There you go. Fire. <laughs> he's, just, he's just shooting ballpark franks out of that Gatling gun. That'd be a good air show. Yeah. Oh my God. Catch a dog, win a t shirt. <laughs> yeah, crowd would go wild for that. Yep. I love it. I love it. Uh Raz, we'll get you on your way. Uh can't thank you enough for coming on and, and yeah, man. Thank you so much. Insight. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you both both for having me. Yeah, I appreciate your time and yeah, happy happy to be here. And yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get a part two here uh, at some point. We'd love uh, it down yeah. the road. So. We'd love to have you back on at the end of the year and and get a, kind of a recap of the season. I'd love to get you back on with one of the the maintainers. That'd be a really cool episode. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah. And uh, round table. Absolutely. Are you yeah, are you can, coming up for Jones Beach? Are you flying Jones Beach this year? Uh we do not have Jones Beach uh this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, if you got it next year then, um cuz I live right up here on Long Island. Um oh, Okay. Nice. Yeah, we can definitely meet up and uh do like an in-person one, maybe even fly out the Alaskan airline. Helmet wearing Mark to uh, there New we York go. and you're there. Because we go. uh we also have uh nicknames for people. Um and uh I don't know, did you meet uh Michael Ian yet at one of the shows? I have, yeah, and we're uh uh we're actually flying Fort Lauderdale, he'll be down there with us. Uh so we're looking forward to that. Uh, we love our, nick, uh, our nickname. Watch him fly. Yeah, our nickname for him here. We call him the Don, like the Godfather. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Amazing. So this way, when you see yeah. him next time, yeah. you can just call him. And it actually started sticking. Absolutely. Like people, people, like oh, people call him right. Yeah. That they call him the Don, and then all the hair stuff because we we started like all this hair talk. About <laughs> he's, it, got phenom- he's, he's got He's got the nicest hair. hair. Yeah, world class hair. Yeah, uh, yeah, world class yeah. hair. I actually world class uh, air show pilot yeah. and world class hair. <laughs> yep yep 100 well i'll uh i'll uh see him tomorrow i'll be sure to call him the don and then ask him what hair product he's using absolutely um, oh my he'll god that. Could, he'll be like oh great that could be some learning Jeff. for me as well <laughs> yeah yeah there you, go. you know what you do is like go to like the grocery store or, or wherever and get a bottle of like um or yell and then get, get like a bunch of different shampoos and just yeah. be like hey my, hey don which one would you recommend yep any, uh, <laughs> any recommendations here yep oh he's gonna kill us <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then uh bobby holly i'm sure you know uh loves van halen so we try to rip on him with that as much as possible good good yep yep i love it yeah all right yeah, let's yeah. get uh let's get raz out of here um i again i i'm this is so much fun because it's again we 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 love our military uh air show demo pilots and demo teams and uh, all the maintainers and everybody that that goes uh, behind the scenes to make these uh, the, the logistical nightmare of getting uh, frontline fighters and their pilots and their maintainers uh, to a bunch of air shows throughout the year uh, to, um, to to wow crowds and and obviously it's a recruiting tool and it, it's uh, it's an, it's an important tool and just can't thank everybody enough and can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast, Raz. I, I appreciate it and uh, happy to be here. Yeah, man, thanks. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think that one of our maintainers uh, here would be be awesome as well because they have so much incredible insight and uh they work the work they do uh is just unbelievable uh week in and week out so they've got amazing stories and uh and a lot of insight to share so we can we can make that happen sweet we'll uh we'll work on that uh for the uh, the next episode we'll either get just a maintainer on or get both you guys on that would be a really fun dynamic to get both you guys on and kind of share the team dynamic that'd be a lot of fun absolutely cool Captain Samuel Raz Larson, everybody, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we will talk to you all next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Thank you to Lift Aviation for supporting the podcast. Go support them. Go buy some stuff. LiftAviationUSA.com. Use the promo code FlyCoolShit at checkout for 25% off most items on the website. Thank you to Fly Good Merch for supporting the podcast. Fly Good don't suck. Go buy a shirt. Go wear a shirt. They're the best. Flygoodmerch.com. Use the promo code ACRO, A-K-R-O, at checkout for 10% off everything on the website. Go buy some 
Flycool Shit Shirts. Flycoolshit.com slash merch. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 